Welcome in. This is your Sanderson Farms live chat here on Wednesday, and it is brought to you by my friends over at Jock Market. It's Stock Market DFS. More on them in just a little bit. But here's the live chat. Every basically every single Wednesday at 3 p.m., we sit down and we talk about whatever you want. A lot of times it's ownership, a lot of times it's hey, can you do a deep dive into so and so? Maybe this week you want to talk about Bryson DeChambeau with the long drive. I don't care. This time is yours. So go ahead, drop your questions in the chat. I already saw I see them piling up. I'll get through as many as I possibly can. As far as announcements off the top, there is a jock market power hour tonight. 8.15 p.m. Eastern time, same place, Rick Run Good YouTube channel. There is also going to be a cut sweat show. That's right. Friday, tentatively scheduled for 5 p.m. Eastern. That is subject to change because of the way the cut is going to run out. But let's jump into some of these questions here. And, of course, everything that I show on my screen will be from my website, rickrungood.com. Hank Hill is here. Hank Hill shows up early and says, hey, Rick, hope all is well. Two questions for you. One, from a theory perspective, should your roster construction change when Max entering a 20 max versus doing 20 single entry contests? Ooh. Yeah, probably. Uh, the idea, I suppose, would be that uh, 20 different single entries are the chalk will be chalkier in those. So I would almost rather you construct uh, more contrarian lineups in the single entries. And then uh, if you wanted to get access to the chalk and you were trying to decide where to do that, I would prefer that you take the chalk on the 20 max side. It won't be... Uh, as drastic as going from a single entry to like 150 max. But I do think the the single entry strategy, it's honestly to me, it is the most, uh, it's the most appealing. It's the, it's the most intriguing. It gives everybody a level playing field. Uh, I think generally speaking, the chalk is going to be much chalkier. So Corey Connors this week, who uh, I currently have projected around 33% owned, might push 40 in a single entry. Logan says, love all that you do. Thank you. Uh, I'm new to one and done leaning HV3 or Mito. Is there anyone that you like uh, better? Uh, so I have, I have gone with HV3 uh, in, you know, the first cut one and done and other kind of one and dones that I'm in. It's just, I don't have to think about it. He's playing well. I don't have to worry about it for later. There's nowhere I'm going to save him for Mito uh, is much more of an unknown entity, depending on what we find out about him over the course of the next you know, three to six months, uh, he might be a lot better or a lot worse than what we think he is right now. I will probably end up spending Mito um, during this fall portion of the schedule uh, at some point, whether it's, you know, it's not, it's not going to be this week for me, but if you wanted to, if you wanted to use him this week or you wanted to use him uh, at an event coming up where he's likely to continue to be one of the top five favorites on the board, I think that's fine. Once we start getting into January, the fields are going to get deeper. Um, who knows what the state of Mito's game is going to be. So I would probably roll him out here in the next seven or eight events. Um, if you're betting a three ball, do you want a volatile guy like Siwoo or a safer play? I know head for head, head to head, you prefer the safer guy, but I'm just curious if that changes when you add in another competitor. It does, but not much. So yeah, this is something that I mentioned, I think on the, on the betting preview, when you're betting head to heads, uh, ideally, if your guy finishes like T21 every single week, you're going to win a lot of matchups. That's kind of the, the the dirty little secret here. For 
three balls, you're going to need a hair more upside because you're going to have to kind of dodge two other bullets. But without running the numbers, it's probably like T17, right? Like that would be where you would just absolutely print money in three balls. It's not, it's not that big of a difference. So I would probably continue to roll with uh, consistent, safer guys as opposed to trying to actually get an outright with a, a, um, you know, where you have to beat 150 other golfers. It's, it's, a, it's a different story. Brady says, who's your favorite play 6,400 and below looking for someone to make the cut. I will show you, uh, this is my site, rickarngood.com for the first time today. This is the cheat sheet. And actually maybe we prefer this version of the cheat sheet a little bit bigger. It might be able to see that a little bit. Um, 6,400 and below that is off the top of my head, quite a scary place to be. Um, and there was one golfer who I think I did not want to go further than. I wouldn't mind Michael Thompson here. Uh, Michael Thompson has played well enough recently, right? Made four of his last five cuts. More of an established player on the PGA Tour. I wouldn't mind that. Uh, I don't know if I want to go lower than that. There's actually... So Brandon Wu... Uh, does not have a lot of rounds. Now he has his PGA tour card for the first time. So I don't have a lot of measured rounds on him, but he's done very well on long par 72s. I think he only has 10 or 14 rounds, but he's one of the top players um, in this field uh, with, with that, with that designation, long par 72s. I'm, I'm not confident in any of these guys. I think Michael Thompson would be the answer. I could hear about Alex Smalley because I think uh, he's going to end up being a very good player, but I, I'm I'm not excited. I, I assume this is like the last guy in your lineup and you're looking for somebody. Hey, Rick, Bronson Burgoon, deep dive and head-to-head versus Lonto, please. Um, see, Spazbite, that is, this is, a, this is a veteran savvy question here because uh, he essentially gets access to the Rick run good site. Uh, but with me doing the work for, her. I, I appreciate this. All right, so let's do this. So let's do, and again, you can see all of this stuff yourself. Um, Bronson Burgoon. Let's do a deep dive on Bronson Burgoon. That has not been requested in quite some time. First thing I noticed off the bat, uh, Bermuda is, uh, one of his better putting surfaces. He's not a good putter on, on Boa. On Poa, he's not a good putter on uh, Bent slash Poa. Uh, Bentgrass, he's a little bit better, but he's a zero putter on Bermuda. That's fine. You look at some of his ownership recently, sub 1%, generally speaking. Okay, all good there. Um, how does he drive it? Well, drives it longer than he does accurate, which is okay. Not a very good putter and not a very good approach player, uh, historically last season. But that was just for the whole season. What I'm actually seeing, I'm much more optimistic about in the short term because from Rocket Mortgage to the Fortinet, he gained strokes on approach in every single week. Gained strokes off the tee in four of those six measured events. The putter, really an issue. If he found something at, in Napa with the putter when he gained 3.7, this is kind of a pretty interesting little flyer. I'm not going to lie. I was not optimistic when I pulled that up, uh, but his, his more recent stuff is a lot better than his season-long stuff, and you're going to get him at less than 1%. A head-to-head versus Lonto, I imagine Lonto is going to destroy him here. Right? I mean, just because unless we unless we shorten up the time frame really really small. It's not that Lonto's been great, but let's do Lonto versus Bronson Burgoon. Since the start of 2020, it's 57% in favor of Lonto. Since the start of 2021, it's 54% in favor of Lonto. And if we go really recent, let's do like the summer on, 
I can get it a hair in the favor of Bronson Burgoon. I don't know what odds you're getting, though. I mean, you should be getting odds on, on the Burgoon side of it. Kyle says, thoughts on Cheston Hadley this week? Strokes gain ball striking has been better the past month. Not sure not sure if it's enough for how many cuts he missed. Yeah, last time I did a, a, a deeper look into uh, Cheston, he was just like, he was just never making the weekend outside of what Paul Meadow, where he kind of should have won it. So let's see what we have here. Um, it's not, it's not the prettiest thing in the world. Approach play has been a little bit better off the tee has been a little bit better, right? He was really bad with the driver, uh, John Deere to the three M he's been a positive driver in the three events since then. He's been a better approach player for five or six. He just gives it all away on the short game. Right. I mean, just around the green and on the green, it's it's super, super ugly. I'm I'm not I'm not that excited about chess and Hadley. Scott says, uh, good afternoon, Rick. Good afternoon, Scott. Uh, given the course, I felt Wolf might be a decent sleeper to get right here. I see he is your fate of the week. Yeah, I think I wrote that on Golf Digest. Uh, what is the biggest red light for you? I trust your gut over mine. Well, thank you, Scott. Also, listen, I don't want to spend your money. You I don't let you spend mine. So if you if you like if you like Matthew Wolf. Uh, I think you should go for it. I, I think this is the story that we have with Matthew Wolf at the moment. Um, for now, the second time in the last year, he's kind of taken an extended break. He took an extended break from Zurich Classic uh, to the U.S. Open. The first event back, he looks much more like himself. Uh, the problem is he was not able to keep that going for the rest of the season, and now he's had another five weeks off. Uh, Matthew Wolf will go as far as his driver takes him. That's the weapon. And when you see him hemorrhaging strokes off the tee for the better part of a year, it's not really all that encouraging. The, the, the buy on Matthew Wolf is to say five weeks was long enough for him to fix the driver. If you believe five weeks was long enough for him to fix the driver, um, then fire him up. The only market I felt comfortable, uh, playing Matthew Wolf in would have been the outright market, because if he is back, he has legitimate win equity from us from a 40, 50, or 60 to one number, depending on where you're getting him. I think it's too much risk and too much volatility for your DFS lineups. I would not touch him in anything like a matchup or anything where you're looking for a high floor because Matthew Wolf, uh, probably one of the lowest floors in the field, also one of the highest ceilings. So I would only feel comfortable uh, in an outright situation. Here, uh, a perfect follow up question. Sebastian says, at three and a half to one, is Matt Wolf uh, to place in the top 20 a good flyer bet? I don't believe so. Uh, like I, I, I just don't think he has that much top twenty equity um, for three and a half to one. I'd rather take him to win at forty, fifty, or sixty to one. I, I just the range of outcomes for Matthew Wolf is incredibly, incredibly large right now. Brandon, Brendan, sorry, says, "Hey, Rick, hope all is well. Thank you. Can you tell me who you like most between Lipsky, Sneds, and Affy Barnrat? Wow." Before I even just run the numbers, uh, the answer has to be Lipsky. Um, he's well ahead of the learning curve on most, most of the Corn Ferry guys. We saw him shoot the rounds of the day on Friday at the Fortinet. Sneds has been struggling. Afi Barnrat had, what, one or two good weeks in a row. One was in Europe. Uh, but what we can actually do is we can go to the Holy Grail here. We can run this for... I don't know. Last two seasons, I don't know. Where, I mean, we're not, I'm not going to have a whole lot of of information on David Lipsky, uh, just because he spent most of the time on the core ferry. But if we do Lipsy, Lipsky, Sneds, and Affy Barnrat, and again, this is just going to be uh, their PGA Tour stuff for now, and we compare them against one another. 
you know, what do you see? Snedeker's losing strokes in both ball striking categories. The short game has been much better, but he hasn't been great. Afi Barnrat losing a ton on approach uh, in his 44 measured rounds. And then Lipsky, who I only have 14 PGA Tour rounds on, uh, was great at the Fortinet, was great at the Palmetto, missed the cut at the Travelers, and finished T48 at the WGC. Um, I, I'm a believer that Lipsky is trending upwards. I believe Snedeker is probably trending down and Afi Barnrat is going to pop once every 25 weeks. That, that, that's seemingly the assessment for, for those three. Uh, JG says most key stat this week. Is it putting least key stat driving accuracy? So uh, this is the model that I run every single week. It's available on rickrungood.com. It takes every single player uh, and every single stat for every single year for the last dozen years and, and correlates the, the stats that the players are good or bad in towards the courses that they have success or failures at. And it creates this really robust database and, and tool that says what types of players have had success at every single golf course. Country club of Jackson Historically, guys who drive it far, driving distance, is much more important than driving accuracy. Uh, driving distance ranks 23rd out of 70 courses, which means there's only 22 courses in which driving distance is more important. And driving accuracy is 46, which means there's 45 courses that driving accuracy is more important. So it's not all that important. Uh, the big one that stands out here is, is putting. And I know there's a question coming up in a second, so I'm going to pause uh, and answer that question later, but strokes gain putting, believe it or not, uh, the highest ranked stat doesn't necessarily mean it's the highest correlated because you can see the value for strokes gain total is actually much higher, but as it should be. Uh, but when you compare this putting number to the 70 other courses or the 69 other courses, there are only four other courses in which strokes gain putting was more important. I'm going to come back to this because I know there's a question about it coming up in a second. Not much hype about uh, Sanderson not much hype on past Sanderson Farms champion Patton Kazire. Am I missing something here? Um, I thought I've I, I thought I've talked about Patton Kazire this week. Actually, I will I will show you. Um, I I write this this run good rundown every single week. It's I actually just emailed it out. It's uh, just little snippets of things, and and one of the things that I showed in there, and I think is important this week, is this little graph about ceiling. Um, how high is the ceiling for guys in this field? And Sam Burns, I've been beating the drum on about how high his ceiling has been in 28% of his rounds um, over the last season and one event. He has he has gained three or more strokes in 28% of those rounds. Zalatoris is on this list. Cameron Tringale is on this list. You'll note Patton Kazire is on this list. Uh, Patton Kazire, 22% of his rounds last year, he gained at least three strokes on the field. Um, it's a big number. Now, if he can clean up the... The bad rounds, that is what's stopping him from actually winning golf tournaments. But if you're betting Patton Kazire for single round matchups, uh, showdown, he is probably one of the better guys out there for that just because there's a really good chance he beats the field by a big number, uh, especially compared to the rest of the players in this in this situation. So um, what you're looking for out of Kazire is tap into the to the, to the upside for two rounds and hope that he doesn't give it away in the other two. That's the way that he goes out and finds success this week. What are your thoughts on lineup construction, balance, stars, and scrubs, et cetera? 
uh, I believe this week I am a little bit more on the uh, the balanced side of things, which is not generally a path that I like to take, but there's a lot of factors here. You have um, most of these guys at the top who are playing for the first time this season. We we don't know what they've been up to, uh, you know, since the tour championship. So it's been what four weeks, three, three and a half weeks, four weeks. We don't know what they've been up to. Generally, the first start out knocks off the rust. And also, if you if you if you begin to roster these guys, uh, you have to dip down into like that six K range, which I think is generally pretty garbage. Um, the the nine K and the eight K, I think, is parsable. I think there's a couple of guys that we there's there's bad options there as well, but there's guys that we can pick out and say, okay. I don't mind Harold Varner the third. I don't mind, uh, you know. I, I know Keegan Bradley is going to be popular this week. I'm kind of like lukewarm on Keegan. Like, I, I there's there's at least guys that we can play there, and you can build kind of a six way or a, or a six person lineup, um, st- leaning heavily on a more on a more balanced approach. Um, I did mention earlier that this this video is uh, indeed brought to you by our friends over at uh, Jock Market, and if you're not playing Jock Market, one. You're crazy. Two, now's the time. Uh, so you can buy and sell shares of golfers. It's like a, a real life stock market with cash. And then depending on where they finish, you get paid out a specific amount. Um, now football is up and running. And I know the fo- football cash markets have been absolutely crazy. The shorting feature is now available. So that means if you look on you know, Saturday morning and Tyler Duncan's in the lead and you're not a believer that Tyler Duncan's going to win this golf tournament, you can short shares of Tyler Duncan. And if he starts to struggle, uh, you would benefit from that. It's a really fun, interesting concept that you're really only looking for golfers or athletes to outperform their expectation. If you go out and buy Bronson Burgoon, who we just talked about earlier, at $1.50 a share tonight, uh, and he finishes 22nd, he's going to make you a lot of money. In no other format does... Uh, Bronson Burgoon finishing 22nd, make you a lot of money, right? It's not, maybe if you bet him, could you even bet him in top 25? Probably not. So really interesting, really interesting format. If you do use the code Rick, or there is a link in the description, or what you could actually do is you could go look at all the data on my website, rickrungood.com. You could click this button and sign up. And this has all of the data from every past cash market. So if you want to dive into that, you're more than welcome to. It's absolutely free to do. Um, it's fun. I love it. Use the code Rick. And there is a power hour tonight at 8.15. Joe Idoni and myself will be live on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel talking about that cash market. Can you spend 60 seconds on Denny McCarthy? I could probably spend more than 60 seconds on Denny McCarthy, but sure, let's do it. So uh, Stevie says, solid last three years at Country Club of Jackson. That is correct. And seemingly always dangerous with the putter. That is also correct. Three cuts to end. 2021, two playoffs, but missed cut at Fortinet. Any positives from last week? Well, you're 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 very similar to a uh, the assessment that I that I would have given. Um, huge red flag for me would be that he's actually lost strokes putting in four of his last six. I'm worried about that. Uh, is that is is that the like the longest slump? I guess not. I guess not. He lost four out of five early in 2021. But being such a good putter, it's always a little bit worrisome to see that. Um, what you mentioned is is really true about, hey, maybe this is a spot for, you know, Denny to get right uh, on a course that he has played well at in the past. 
So let me pull this up here. Oh, I always do that. Country Club of Jackson. I always type it into tournament. Let's try. I'm going to find this course eventually. Am I absolutely crazy right now? Why is this not showing up? Jackson. There we go. The Country Club of Jackson. Jeez, oh man. So um, if we look at just the players in this field at the Country Club of Jackson, Carlos Ortiz, 10 rounds, best player in the field. Uh, 14 rounds for Will McGirt after that. Denny McCarthy's third of guys who have played at least 10 rounds. Uh, 6th, 18th, 7th in his last three years. Pretty reliant on the putter, but also was was positive off the tee and on approach and around the green, honestly, in the last two years. So maybe this is a place for him to get a little bit right. I'm not super excited, but I could see it. Talk me off of Tom Hoagie. Played better last three times out. Putter was garbage for a lot of last season, and he pulled uh, and he's putted better last three times. Yeah, I actually, um, believe it or not, I actually wrote him up on Golf Digest as so. Golf Digest, I do four different tiers, uh, like nine thousand dollars and up, uh, eight to nine thousand, seven to eight thousand, and then sixty nine hundred dollars and below. And uh, Tom Hoagie was actually my pick to win uh, in his range, which is, uh, listen. It's unlikely Tom Hoagie wins, but like that's one of the designations. And at 7,200, I kind of agreed with you. You know, Hoagie's gained strokes on approach in, in three straight. He's putted well in his last two. And what the what I actually think is very exciting about Tom Hoagie is that um, he's a popper, man. He just he's just some weeks is going to pop, and he's going to finish inside of the top five. Or he's it's just, it, they're going to be hard to find, but we're at least um, seeing him trend in in a little bit of the right direction. So I'm I'm cool with that. Okay, this is the question I think I was referencing earlier. Mitchell, and it's a good question, says, Rick, thanks for all the content. Thank you. This course ranks fifth in putting, but the trends seem to be that bad putters do well. Would you explain this and how should we use that information? It's a perfect question. So, um, and I mentioned this earlier, this this is what we're talking about where strokes gained putting, uh, there are only four other courses in which strokes gained putting is more important. And what I believe Mitchell is referring to when he says the trend seems to be that bad putters do well, I'm assuming that's looking at things like Sergio Garcia winning, right? And that is what I actually think is a flaw in a lot of other models that tried to do something like this is they only look at the winner. They only look at top five. They only look at top 10. They only look at guys that made the cut, whatever, whatever they draw the line at. I know a lot of other models will draw the line. And the problem with that is you get really skewed data from winners. Winners tend to putt well. Uh, winners tend to play well, obviously. Uh, they play over their expectations. Same with guys in the top five or top 10. My model looks at every single player. Uh, so even if a poor putter for the season wins, but the next nine guys were all good putters, I'm factoring all of that in, right? So it's basically just saying, where are good putters for the season having more success? So there's not going to be a single player or even a single or even five players or 10 players that we can pick out that are going to, that are going to say, oh, well, this doesn't make any sense. This doesn't pass the eye test. Well, it's not about the eye test. This is, it's the model for the reason. So um, I'll be very clear again uh, about, about what this number means. It means that good putters for the season in whatever season that might be, eight, not, you know, 19, 18, whatever, for the last 12 years, or in this case, since 20, what, 14 or 15 for Country Club of Jackson, 
good putters for the year have had more success at the country club of Jackson than nearly any other course that that's, that's the way to read that Um, and do what you will with it. Great show, Rick. Thank you, Trevor. Uh, Who do you have as a sneaky play? $7,500 or lower. Okay. So sneaky play. I've got to go back to the original cheat sheet here. I was, I was using the the blown up version so that you guys could see. Um, But, but I've got, I got projected ownership on this one. So let's see. So $7,500 and lower. Um, Here's 7,500. So we're kind of talking like Chris Kirk, Luke, Luke list range. I don't, um, I don't necessarily mind Scott Piercy. Scott Piercy, horrible putter, good ball striker, 11th at the Fortinet, 15th at the Wyndham, third at the Barracuda, or is that Barbasol? I always screw that up. I got to change. I have to change my abbreviation up here so that I can tell them apart. But uh, I, I wouldn't mind that. And I haven't, I haven't projected at 8.2%. He's not a very popular person. I, I think you'll actually come in uh, less than that. I also don't mind. Let's see. Mm, I do kind of mind these guys. Actually, Bronson Burgoon, I'm glad someone brought him up earlier. He he will be like 1% or less. Uh, good success here in the past. Has played much better, at least struck it much better recently. I don't mind that. It's ugly down there. Is this Munoz's favorite tournament? Probably. Uh, your choice between Augustine, Malnati, or Sig. It's not Malnati. Um, Sig is definitely a much more seasoned professional than Augustine is. Augustine is, you know, fresh out of Vanderbilt, played, did play a lot of PGA Tour events last year, has been much better in a lot of them, and played well. I would probably rank them Augustine by a hair. No, I take that back. Sig by a hair over Augustine, and then Mount is a pretty big gap, I think. Um, super chat here. So, uh, first of all, thank you, Phil. Uh, says, what do you think about a Seamus Power outright or top five? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Seamus Power. This goes back to when he played here in Vegas um, last last Corn Ferry Tour. It was in May, and he was. Just, I literally was just watching his ball striking the hell out of it. And you know, I was just at the long drive. Like I, I like seeing these guys do it in person. You get a different sense of it. Good news for Seamus Power. Uh, six of his last eight events, he's got top twenties. He does it in a very sustainable way with the ball striking. He wasn't as good after his win, but that is common, right? Now he gets a little bit of a reset, a little bit of a refresh, has his tour card locked up, secured, first event of the season. Let's go. Seamus Power, I'm in on it. I, I, will, I will probably not bet it outright just because that's uh, my, the way that I do this is kind of wonky, but I, I'll have a lot of like 50 to 60 to 70 to one guys this week, but I, I, I love Seamus Power. All good there. Good luck, Phil, and thank you for the super chat again, top owned golfer that you plan on fading. Um, I don't know if this is going to end up being correct. So, so I'm currently, ha- I currently have Corey Connors at 33% owned and Mito at 16%. There's no way in the world. Mito should be half the, half the ownership that Corey Connors would be. Um, Corey Connors would probably be the fade here. I, I love Corey. I think he's, you know, a, a lock to finish inside the top 25, but uh, what's the upside? You know, what's the upside for a guy who can't putt? Um, Mito, 
and also the problem with the problem with playing Corey is I also really like Mido and I also really like Sung JM. And and that is it's just not going to allow me to get as much exposure to Corey Connors as uh as I would probably like, even though I think he's great and I think he's gonna ball strike and I think he's gonna be on the first two pages of the leaderboard, but I, I just I prefer other guys better. I'm considering Wolf this oh Evan. I, I only picked this because I like Evan. Um if you're if you want access to Wolf, Evan, the only way to do it is betting him. That's it. Uh Rick, can you explain it says stocks gained putting, but I'm assuming that means strokes gained putting. Max Homa in round three, two weeks ago, had bird had nine birdies and gained 0.337 for the round. How can that be with nine birdies in the round? Well, um he could have just been stuffing them right so if you give yourself 18 looks from i mean we, i can pull up this round that you're talking about so let's see um what what is it Ra- strokes game by round we will do max homa who is not in this field what was it at the fortinet two weeks ago so i'm assuming we're talking at the fortinet and in round three this one here I have him gaining. Okay, yeah, point. Okay, so you rounded up. Okay, uh, yeah, because look at this. Because look, he gained three point eight six on approach. Uh, I actually think he was that the day he hold out as well. No, maybe not. But three point eight six on approach means listen. If you give yourself um, eighteen looks from eight feet, right? Every single hole, you have a, a, a an eight foot putt, and you make half of them and miss half of them you have made nine birdies and you have, you are a dead zero in strokes game putting because you're supposed to make half of those putts. So really it's not that he vastly outperformed the baseline with his putter. He was a little bit better, but it's, he was way over average with his irons, which means he gave himself a ton of looks. He actually probably left a couple out there. Who do you have winning the champions league match day two on right now? Um, Arsenal. Are they in it? I literally have no idea. I, I, I don't even know who's in it. Um, talked about Denny McCarthy. Go back and watch that. Hey, Rick, love the content. Have some advice. Have any advice for someone who's losing interest in playing fantasy golf this year has been pretty tough and money flows have been flowing negative from GPPs. Yeah. So listen, golf is hard. Golf is a very hard DFS sport. Um, not only is it a new course every single week and new players, but it's played outside. There's luck involved. And there is no real way to correlate, right? If it, it, It's a lot easier to play NBA DFS in theory. In theory. I know it's hard. But like, hey, here are the games with the highest projected totals for tonight. I'm going to play three guys from that team, two guys from the other team, and then a couple of guys from the next highest game. And you're like probably going to do okay. You can't really correlate in golf. So it's really, really hard. So what I would tell you is, um, what are your goals? Are your goals to make money? If your goals are to make money, maybe maybe don't play huge GPPs. Try uh, double ups. Try smaller, much smaller single entry contests uh, where you're already on a level playing field. Try different formats. Try showdown. I just think you're going to find something where it's going to click in your brain. Um, or if you're playing for entertainment, then who cares about losing, right? I know that's weird to say, but but that's the truth. You got to kind of figure out what your goals are. Um, 
But I don't know. It's hard for me to say because I obviously love it. Thoughts on Mito over Siwoo at minus 112. Um, I can run it. Now, I don't obviously I'm not gonna have nearly as many rounds uh from Mito, but I can do it since Mito's debut, which was like July 4th-ish. Uh, and Siwoo. I have Siwoo winning this 84% of the time. There's just such a small sample size. Actually, what I'll do is I'll actually change this. Let me do this though. Because I know Mito came up. Yeah, there's just there's just a tiny sample size. I wouldn't I wouldn't trust this. I've got like only a handful of tournaments for either one of these guys. Uh, I have Siwoo being a very big favorite, but this is not. I wouldn't trust it. Uh, personally, how do I feel about it? Uh, well, I do in theory like targeting very volatile golfers like Siwoo. Siwoo Siwoo is the antithesis. Did I use that word correctly? Of Corey Connors. Connors is going to be. 18th to 27th often. Siwoo is going to be second, dead last, fifth, 130th. Like it's going to be all over the place. I do like in general targeting those guys in um, in matchups. Hey, Rick. Hey, Oliver. Um, last year you dubbed Malnati a psycho for his birdie bogey roller coaster style of play. That is true. Was this tournament the start of his run last year? He puts like a savant on these greens. Actually, let's go look. So <clears throat> let's pull up Mr. I'll go back to strokes gained, strokes gained by tournament. Let's go to Peter Malnati. And I actually want to see um, here was last year. So he gained. Oh, I should show my screen. Sorry, my bad. Uh, so he gained. A bunch of stroke. I mean, he was great putting coming into that event, right? Gained four, gained five. Punta Cana, we don't have the numbers on. Gained nine. Yeah, this was a, a crazy stretch of golf from him. We haven't seen anything like that remotely recently. He is putting a little bit better, but uh, nothing recently. I do want to see. You mentioned his Bermuda stuff. Let's let's actually let's confirm that. So here's Peter Malnati on Bermuda. He's all right. Uh, he's like a small positive right over his last 12 or so lot near zero one really good week one really bad week missed a lot of cuts um yeah i don't know if i'd call him a savant there is uh another super chat here john jefferson thank you very much says hey rick are you in on kevin tway like the model oh yeah let me show you what i found here so kevin tway popped up and thank you for the super chat i appreciate it kevin tway showed up in the model uh, and it scared me, frightened me. It scared the dickens out of me. And I had to try to figure out why. And I guess it kind of makes sense. So the model says strokes gain putting is one of the most important stats. And look at what Kevin Tway has done. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight consecutive measured events. He's gained strokes putting. It is probably, I mean, almost certainly the best well, one of the best putting stretches of his career. He had something similar about three years ago. But this is um, this is interesting because Kevin Tway, I don't think anyone would have ever have said, like, what's Kevin Tway known for? The putter. No, no, no. He's like a distance guy, right? Driving distance, 25th. Driving accuracy, 182. So um, I, I don't, don't twist my words here. Um, 
Kevin Tway is a light version of Cam Davis. Remember when at Cam Davis where we were like, oh, Detroit Golf Club, this is by far, if I could put him on any course, it'd be this one. I feel that way about Kevin Tway, but I feel like 40% of that. Like, I don't think Kevin Tway is going to win, but I feel like if there was ever a place for him to play pretty well, it would be it would be right here. And um, thank you for the super chat. I appreciate that. Andrew asking the tough questions. Are you uh, going to play any WSOP events? <laughs> I would love to. I don't know. Maybe. I, I'd be down to drop like... Do they have a, I know it starts, I think it starts tomorrow or uh, two days. I think October 1st it starts and I know they're setting up. I know people are flying in. Um, I would probably play like a, do they have like a 500 or a thousand dollar buy-in? Something like that. The problem is I don't want to do something that, te- that takes like three or four days. I want to play like a super turbo thousand dollar, just get my kicks out of it. But um, I don't know. And uh, I've actually been playing online, WSOP.com and I've been doing okay. So if you see me, if you see me on WSOP.com, say what's up. Uh, also, I think I have a promo code for WSOP.com, but I don't know what it is off the top of my head and I haven't promoted it yet. But if you're waiting to sign up, uh, email me. I probably have a code for you for free money, uh, but I don't know what it is. Uh, and are you going to have a meetup at Shriners? Okay, I'll be at Shriners and CJ Cup. Um, definitely Thursday and Friday for both. Probably more than that. So if you're going to be around, uh, hit me up. Hey, Rick, when doing head-to-head matchups to choose my players, is there a way to put uh, ooh, one golfer on one side and pick two to three on the other side? Or do I have to do one matchup at a time? Um, you have to do one matchup at, the, at a time, but I'm writing that down because it's a good idea. I could probably do that. Let me, I'm actually, I got my sticky note thing here. So I'm going to, I'm going to write that down. So pop says head to head versus multiple opponents. It's a good idea. I'll try to do that. Who's a good pick for first round leader? Well, there's a couple ways we could do this. One, volatility. So I can show you this uh, this chart again. So see over here, guys that gain four or five strokes uh, in the course of a single round. It's rare. Someone like a Cameron Tringale gained four strokes per round at least in 12% of his rounds last year. 14% for Charlie Hoffman. 12% for Emiliano Grillo. Uh, then you start to look at golfers that... Um, played well in the first round. So let me do this. Sanderson farms filter by round one. This is going to be in their career. We could shorten this up a little bit, but this is going to be in their career. Do any of these names match up? Here's Emiliano Grillo. Pretty darn good. Pretty, pretty much near the top of the list of golfers who have a hundred or more rounds. First rounds. He's one, two, three, four, five. He's fifth. So maybe we're just going to roll with Emiliano Grillo. He's got the he's got the upside, right? We saw that. He's got the upside and he generally gets off to a hot start. Good luck. Hey Rick, got a one and done issue. I'm way behind on questions. My bad. I'm going to try to run through a lot of these. Hey Rick, got a one and done question. I'm completely 50-50. 50-50 exactly. No wiggle room in either way <laughs> between Sung Jay and Hoffman and I don't know who is a better play or to who to hold for future events. Both seem to have peak performances at the same events. You could hold Charlie for, okay. I have to build this. I'm, I'm building the new, I'm building the new um, one and done tool at the moment. But 
what you could do is this. So you could go to the Holy Grail, go to results, go to Charlie Hoffman, and go to and, and add Sung JM as well. Hold control or hold uh, command. And let's look at the places that these guys are the best um, with, with at least a little bit of a big sample size. So the, the, the smart place to probably hold Charlie Hoffman is for Valero, right? If But, but see, he's probably not going to be the best player at Valero or, or close to it. So that's kind of tough to do. Sung Jay at Bay Hill, that's not bad. Or Sung Jay at, yeah, you could play Sung Jay right after the new year, PGA West, average 11th, 11th place finish there. Charlie at Glen Abbey, I don't think they're going back to Glen Abbey. They're going to St. George's for the Canadian Open. Charlie at Kapalua, I don't think he'll be there for that. The Scottsdale one, I guess, is kind of interesting because both of them tend to play well at Scottsdale. Yeah, and, and TP. Yeah, I would I would say um for this week, um, I would play Sungjae this week. Great putter on Bermuda, looks like he's in form. And Charlie Hoffman, you can play at Waste Management or San Antonio, or let's see where else you could play Charlie Hoffman. Uh let's 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 go to where he's played a lot. Whoops. Whoops, sorry. Sorry, mate. Sorry, mate. I just get so into these questions. I know I should be moving on. You could play him at Colonial. You could play him at... <laughs> I don't think you want to play him at Augusta. East Lake, you definitely don't want to save him for that. There'll be better options. Match play? If you are if you're, if you have a match play one, that's not so bad. Sorry, I just get so into these questions. I'm moving on. Hey, Rick, I like Joseph Bramlett. Course fit in recent form. Is he good on this putting surface compared to other putting surfaces? And can you get there this week? I do like uh, Bramlett. He is uh, long and inaccurate, and he just got into the winner's circle, and I like that. And I believe he's bad on all putting surfaces, but I believe uh, Bermuda is not his worst. Yeah, it's still bad, very bad, but it's not his worst. Yes, I'm in on, on Carlos Ortiz. Yes, I uh, no, I'd probably not take him over Sebastian Munoz. Hey, Rick, what should I eat for dinner tonight? Rotisserie chicken or spaghetti? Rotisserie chicken. That was the easy one. Any love for Mackenzie Hughes and or Patrick Rogers? No, I'm sorry. Hey, Rick, how would you go about building 150 max this week? How many golfers do you usually keep in your player pool? That is a question from Cameron. And I believe Cameron is, um, I think he's new to rickrungood.com. So welcome. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have a good answer for you because this is completely up to your own risk tolerance. The smaller the player pool that you have, the higher risk, higher reward you will be. The more spread out you are, um, the kind of like, you know, and I'm back, I think. I believe I'm back. Little internet issue. Apologies. Dropped out. I restarted it. Let's see what we got here. Uh, we'll try to pick up my spot. Hope everyone's having a nice day. Little internet issue. John Jefferson. Uh, Rick, who's your favorite active PGA golfer, least favorite? Uh, so I won't tell you the least favorite, but uh, I, I'm, I'm, it's really hard for me to have fandom. I think I'm too close to it now, right? And, I, and I've met a lot of these guys, and they're all really great guys, and I root for them, and it's really hard. I like what Rory has become. I really love watching, um, b- believe it or not, and I give him a hard time all the time. I really like watching what Bryson's doing. Um, I saw him at the long drive yesterday, and I'm, I'll be back there soon. Uh, I just, I like all these guys. There is one guy who I actually think is a huge jerk, 
uh, I will not mention it, but uh, every interaction I've had with him and every interaction I've heard others have with him, he is a huge jerk. So if you want to put your guesses in the chat, uh, that would be fine, but I, I, well, I, won't, I won't blow him up. How do you convince yourself to get off of some fan favorites? I find myself consistently being drawn to Morikawa and Libyota, which has been a struggle as of late. Um, generally speaking, I don't use a lot of opinion or emotion in, in these. You know, I'm, I'm good or bad, pretty dependent on the math and pretty dependent on the strategy. And sometimes it's a, sometimes, you know, convince yourself it's a life hedge, right? If you, if you like Morikawa and he wins, you're going to be happy. If you don't play him, fine, but it's a little bit of a life hedge, right? And then you can uh, get off some of the fan favorites. And if they still win, it's okay. Hey, Rick, what tool uh, did you pull up around 10 guys who you were talking about with Kazire? So it wasn't a tool, so to speak. This is a um, a newsletter that I put out. Oh, hold on. I got to share my screen again. Sorry. I got to redo this. There we go. So this is a newsletter that I put out. It's called the Run Good Rundown. You can sign up for it. It's in the description. Um, this is just me doing research and putting a little nugget in there. It's just a, it's just a screenshot I took. But you could... Um, you could, in theory, pretty much go see most of this in the Holy Grail. I'm just, I just pulled the Holy Grail data out and started manipulating it. Quick clarification on the correlated stats: Are the models run on the pre-tournament stats for the previous years, i.e., golfer stats as of 9:27 for the tournament starting 10:1? No. So it's a good question. The problem with that is, I tried this and I used to do this. Um, the problem is early in the season, you get a lot of really noisy data and even not just early in the season, but like, even if you tried to do it by year or whatever, because a lot of guys will take a break from September to January, it is incredibly noisy. So what essentially I've done is, uh, controlled it by saying, these are the season stats. These are, this is how, this is how the golfer was for each season. You get a large enough sample size. Uh, it, it becomes less and less noisy. I've tried it the other way and I did not think it was, uh, as, as reliable. Hey Rick, who do you prefer between, uh, Cam Davis and Kevin Streelman? Yeah. So I, I love Cam Davis, especially in a spot like this, but let's, he has not been all that good since his win. And even his win was kind of not in Cam Davis fashion, which I think is scary. So even when Cam Davis won, he was unbelievable in the short game, right? Gained three around the green, uh, three on the green. We haven't seen anything close to that recently. And also he kind of hasn't driven it all that well. This would in theory be a good spot for him. Drive it far, raw talent, make a lot of birdies. Don't worry about accuracy, but I'm, I'm worried about this. So I think the answer is probably Kevin Streelman. Hey, Rick, quick uh, random question. Have you thought about adding a winner's circle or top finish section on your website to people who have a top finish or take first in a DK featured entry that are members of your site? Then you could offer some sort of giveaway if someone makes the list or something like that. Just a random thought. Uh, I did not notice anything like that on DFS. So I have thought about that and um, I've generally decided against it. The idea being... I like when people send me a message and say, hey, Rick, thanks for your help. I won the millionaire maker or whatever. And or I won $200,000 or whatever. And I, I love that. And I like to share that, but I think it's a fine line between me. Like, I also don't want to take credit for it. I, I don't make decisions for you. You make decisions. I don't spend your money. You spend your money. You don't need to thank me. You, you, you clicked the buttons, you put it in. I love offering a tool that helps you make decisions, uh, 
hopefully more efficiently and hopefully make better decisions. But I think there's a fine line for me of just congratulating people versus um, trying to somehow take credit for them, which I don't want to do. Should we be cautious of hot putters from last week when the surface has changed from bent to Poe to Bermuda? Yes. That's good. That yes, you definitely should. This one just says, Hey Rick. Hi. <laughs> we're having a, we're having a weird chat today. Um, okay. Phil, this is a good question. What about Seb Strocker? You hating on coach yesterday? Yeah, that's, that's part of the, the shtick. Uh, we, we hate on coach about picking Seb Strocker. The good news about Seb Strocker you know exactly what you're going to get. He's either going to miss the cut or he's going to finish in the top 15. Uh, and he is at least going to uh, strike it well. I mean, this is a pretty good, a pretty impressive stretch of of ball striking, right? You know, last uh, five of his last six, he's gained strokes on approach, but it doesn't always translate because he's really horrible around the greens and sometimes can lose it big in other areas. But look at this, cut, cut, 15th, 10th, cut, 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 10th, cut, cut, cut. Um, he's boom or bust. Here's what it is. I, I don't think that he really ever foreshadows a lot of the success, right? Did we think that this top 10, the travelers was coming when he went one, two, three, four, five, six, seven measured events in a row, missing, uh, losing strokes on approach. No. So you're never going to know. Uh, and that's okay. Seb Straka is, uh, a dart throw. If you are playing Seb Straka, that's fine, but know what you're getting yourself into. Why do you think Taylor Pendrith gets uh, so much respect from the books? I think it's two reasons. One, I think that he has kind of been at least somewhat in the spotlight for a long time, right? As he was coming up, uh, people were kind of identifying him as like, oh, one of the good amateurs, one of the good college players, one of the good, it's just, it's always been that kind of thing around him. And I also think that when he does play and he gets in fields like this, it doesn't take much to move his number. So if you get one person like me who runs the model and sees that he fits this course great and that he's playing really well and the projections are showing up and he has a small sample size. You know, if the book takes, depending on the book, they take a $200 bet, uh, they might move his number. So I, I think that's what ends up happening. There's just not enough handle on him or a lot of these other fields that, that kind of move the number. Also, does your wife golf, uh, with you when she shoots your videos? No, she just shoots. I answered this question a little bit earlier, Evan. It says, hey, Rick, should we put much stock into putting considering guys like List, Garcia, and Champ have competed here? Um, the answer is obviously still yes because, uh, frankly, you just pulled out three bad putters that um, that have had success. You know, we could do that the other way too. We could go find uh, three good putters that didn't. Or we could, I mean, there's just the numbers and the math that I'm, that I'm very um, – and I've spent a lot of time on, and I stand by, show that there are only four other courses where strokes gain putting, players that rank well in that category at the end of the year, do better at. So yes, uh, we should put stock into putting this week. Hey, Rick, of the players in your model that you have winning at the longest odds, oh, wait, wait, sorry. Of the players in your model that you have winning, who has the longest odds? Leave a like. Also, here's very here's what's very important. There is a WSOP uh, Super Turbo Bounty 1000. That's on the 5th. And a Super Turbo one-day event. That I like. November 21st. Maybe I will uh, Maybe I will play that. That would be kind of interesting. I just want to get it over with. I want to like have the... I don't want to like grind for five days. Um, okay. 
who in the model has the longest odds? So here I can go to the, the tournament predictor tool here. This is where I've simulated the event 1,000 times, and we can kind of find some good intersections of long shot and guys long and, and, and guys enough to win. So I usually draw the line at like 4%. It can, you know, if they win at 4% of the simulations, that's like a pretty good chance of them winning. Of those golfers, the longest odds you can get on any of them are probably Seamus. Uh, Seamus power 45 to 1 at FanDuel. That would probably be the longest. If you go a little bit further and open up to 3%, that's when you can get Taylor Pendrith. 60 to 60 to 1 at FanDuel, 60 to 1 at Caesars, 66 to 1 at BetMGM. Now, that is with the understanding that he has a very, very small sample size of data that I'm working with. If you open it up to 2%, there's not a ton of value. The best value slash longest odds would be Gary Woodland. You can get 60 to 1 at points bet. That was a pretty thorough answer, but you gave me a very thorough question. So thank you. <laughs> all the all of the people guessing who the jerk is. Kepka, Bryson, Kepka, definitely Kepka, Bubba, Kepka, Bryson, Patrick Reed, probably. <laughs> it's none of those guys. <laughs> uh, hey Rick, you mentioned putting being important, and we've seen some notoriously bad putters do well here. Cam Champ and Sergio, what do you think about this? Um, go back five minutes. Most owned tournament play. Uh, I believe it's going to be Corey Connors. Uh, I have met 33% owned, which kind of makes sense because he's in that top tier of golfers, but he's the cheapest one. Um, I actually think Sam Burns is going to be only around 13.7%. That's what I'm projecting at the moment. I actually think it's hard to get Sam Burns in lineups because the bottom is really, really bad. So I, I don't think Sam Burns is going to be all that popular. <laughs> Have you made a 2022 goal to gain some speed after watching the long drive? Need the Rick run good speed training vlogs. Yeah, that is. <laughs> Those guys are so crazy, man. The way they cut it loose. Uh, that is probably not happening, but I love the idea. It's so good. Rick, new user on the site. Love it. Thanks, Scott. Do you think Sam Ryder is flying under the radar here? Um, Let's find out. We can do a little bit of a deep dive on, on Sam Ryder. <clears throat> He actually showed up. Um, I feel like I, I run so many things each week. And like when names pop up, I try to be like, oh my God, that's blah, blah, blah. Uh, okay. So what we have here is. I would argue a little bit of better recent form. Uh, the stretch from the U.S. Open to John Deere was horrid. He's been a lot better since then. Gained 11 strokes at the Barbasol. See, this is what's kind of interesting. So you, you can look at this and say, wow, he's constantly a loser on approach, but he figures something out at Barbasol and gains 11 strokes on approach. That's not going to happen again. Like unlikely for any, like giving, gaining 11 strokes on approach, that might be the best number ever. Um, but he clearly found something, right? Because now he, after that, he gained strokes on approach in three of his last four measured events, which is something he really wasn't doing all that often before this. So he might've found something there, which is a little bit encouraging. The driver uh, is starting to get a little bit better. The putter. Yeah, this is fine. I don't mind this. It definitely looks to me like he found something. And Bermuda is his second best surface behind bent. I could see that, that those stats indicate to me, someone who's finding a little bit of something. How did your Ryder Cup picks go? I got smashed. Um, 
I, I was on, I mean, I bet the European side and they lost historically, which was obviously very ugly. Luckily I did. Um, I did have day three us that I kind of used as a pre-event hedge. And that number got much, much worse as the event went on, as you can imagine. So I, I, that saved me. And I also had, um, was it top rookie who split top rookie? Was it Xander and Cantlay? Or more, I can't remember, but I had a dead heat on that, which kind of like salvaged the week a little bit. But uh, it was not pretty. I thought I thought I thought the Europeans would put up a fight. I was very very wrong. Will any corn fairy tour guys who struggled last week bounce back? I think this is. I think you need to give them the opportunity to bounce back. The first event, you go to Napa. There's a lot going on. You don't know anything about the tour. Um, you don't always play well. We saw this with Mito, right? When Mito came up, he didn't he miss the cut at Rocket, Mor Rocket Mortgage first event, and then he got comfortable. Now, that might be quicker than most guys who get comfortable after just like one event, but that is, we're going to see that. We're going to see Grace and Sig get more comfortable. We're going to see, um, I don't even know who a good example would be. Like, we're going to see these guys get more comfortable as the weeks go on. And I do think the country club of Jackson's pretty comfortable, right? It's, it's, it's not Napa where there's wineries everywhere. It's Jackson, Mississippi. It's a course that's not all that penal. It's, uh, much closer to, um, uh, just like birdie fest corn fairy tour golf. I, I think this is going to be a really good spot for those guys. Phil, super chat, thank you. It just says Hudson's Hudson Swafford has a couple of recent 10 plus strokes gained T to greens. Yeah. Uh Hudson Swafford, if he could putt, uh, would be a force. Gained 12 at the Palmetto, 10 at the Northern Trust. The problem is he's just so inconsistent, right? And look at this. It doesn't even matter. Any anytime he gets around the green, it's just all uh apologies. I should share my screen there. It's just all garbage after that. It's, it's really fascinating. I'm still pretty bullish on it because there are a few guys who have that upside. Thank you for the super chat, Phil. All right. Um, I think that'll do it. I think that'll do it. I've answered a lot of these. What are your thoughts on Lee Hodges at 6,200? Good dart play. I'm going to sneeze. Sorry. Um, I think he's a better. I think he's better than the other sixty-two hundred dollar guys. I don't think he's all that good, but I think he's better than all the other sixty-two hundred dollar guys. Okay, that'll do it. A couple other things. First of all, thank you. Thanks for bearing with me on the internet outage for the moment there. But we were. I'm, I'm actually surprised the feed kept going, which was actually nice. Um, join us tonight, eight fifteen p.m. Eastern time. Rick Run Good YouTube channel. We'll talk all about jock market. We'll give away some money. Sign up for rickrungood.com. I love it. You'll love it. Pet your dogs. And um, honestly, just have a great week, guys. Enjoy it. See ya.